four five hours ago because it's been a great day i was welcome to womenistan talk show it's getting recorded and thank you for waiting for making me wait for like nearly an hour but anyways <laughs> oh well yeah sorry about that uh i wasn't around and i didn't have access to my phone um the my wireless charger stopped working so it didn't charge okay 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 and uh i was like oh shit shit Shit. Where am I going to go at like eight o'clock in the morning before everything opens? You get what I mean? <laughs> Got it. So I went to my friend's place and I exchanged my phone with him and I was like, okay, bro, I'll and be back. Bio, dude. You were supposed to send me a bio and everything. What happened? You have it. No. I said I... I've sent it. Yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah. You have it from before. 100%. Check your email. Uh, I don't know which email you send it on, but um, I guess um, I did. I go through my emails like 10 times a day. Uh, you have my well. You have my EPK kit from like two months ago when you told me about the show. Oh, that was really long back. But then you know I would have to retrieve it. So uh, I thought probably you're gonna send me the latest one with the Superman stuff and everything that the yeah that that, that was all on the EPK. But um, you want it like in text form, like just in like be able to copy paste. Yeah, yeah, just probably something that I could read out. Anyway, so welcome to the show. Oh, there you go. I just sent it to you for you to read out on uh, WhatsApp. No, I said you no, wanted no, the. Uh, let's do this a little differently since this is already on recording. Um, I, I would yeah. ask you questions about yourself, and um, then you can you know talk about. So tell me how. Tell me about those there at the age of twenty-one onwards. I graduated university at twenty-one. Okay. Um, but I was already working in the business for four years. At that point, um, working through universities so at 21, it was me literally stepping out, um, stepping out to just kind of figure it out in that sense. But I was in the UK at that time and I really had no idea where I was going to be because uh, I wanted to be in the UK, but I couldn't um, due to visa issues and stuff like that. So yeah, it was just about getting working. And um, I just decided to get any job and whatever job was coming my way. So I think uh, 22, I was in Dubai. And then for the next two years, I just worked every single job. I think I did probably 200 plus commercials. Wow. In that year. Um, and then I went on to New York Film Academy um, and did my course in filmmaking which was kind of funny because I was supposed to do, well, I got offered to do Fast and Furious and I turned it down to go to New York Film Academy. And then it was oh, funny because yeah. it came back, but it didn't come back for the, for, for the right way because, you know, Paul Walker passed away and everything moved and all of that. But yeah, that just kind of led on. It, for me, it was at that point, I already knew where I was um, when I graduated. So it was just about, okay, where is this kind of leading to? And for me, it was always leading to directing and writing. Always, it was always heading there. But uh, to get it at that place, for me, it was, it was more intriguing to find out the mental capacity of the people that function in those high capacity states. And um, the, emulating that to me is more important than actually creating, because a lot of people create. But actually, you know, functioning in that environment and then being able to create, uh, because you know, you know how it works, the pressure and all of that. But uh, yeah, that was that. And then um, that kind of- Go on, go on, please go on. 
No, that that just, you know, after that, you know, and then it just kind of led on to one thing to another job after job. And it just kind of takes you from different places to different places. Um, yeah, here I am now in Vancouver. So tell me about your uh, major projects that you've done, uh, the countries you've, you know, tell me about um, the great scripts that you write. How does all this creativity come from you? I mean, you know, from you know, the way you uh, do your design job, the creatives, it's a lot. I mean, you're really talented, Uzi. So tell all my viewers about it. Um, okay, so there's, I think it's a process. And I think that's what most people fail to understand. So they always expect this, oh, how do you do this? And it's just like, well, there isn't like a, it's not like a, you know, using a computer and you're like, oh, go click file and then click this and then click print and it's gonna print. No, um, you're actually digging deeper. And if you have to understand and live in the form of an artist, you have to understand you're living constantly through emotion. And so that's usually how I create. Uh, it's certain emotional attachment with what you're doing. So my bottom line is if you don't care, you're not gonna be able to create. So like you have to care about what you're doing, right? Um, some of the projects I think I've been super, super lucky on like in my life to be on Skyfall, uh, which was James Bond, I'm actually doing London. Um, I did Star Trek in Dubai, Star Trek Beyond, and then Deadpool in Vancouver. Uh, we did Fast and Furious in Abu Dhabi, <clears throat> which was awesome. Uh, we have a film coming, I think, hopefully this year. It's supposed to release. It's called Misfits. It was the first Hollywood film uh, shot in Abu Dhabi, which I think will be pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I think for me, my highlight is being able to uh, say that I worked on two 50 anniversary franchise films. Because for me, like, how many times in your life do you get to work on two franchises that are 50 years old? So Skyfall was like the 50th anniversary film for James Bond and Star Trek was, Star Trek Beyond was the 50th anniversary film for Star Trek. So yeah, those were pretty, uh, pretty awesome in that sense. But those taught me so much, right, along the way. I was creating differently at 21 than I am now. Um, whereas at 21 or 22, <clears throat> I, was, I was writing my first uh, feature and um, you're constantly trying to force it, constantly. Constantly. And I think that's the problem. You're like, oh, I'm going to go do this and I'm going to go do that and go do that. And I think what I learned along the way was it's more important to keep inspiring yourself than it is to actually just keep forcing it. Because um, the way I work creatively is I'd rather do a week of creative inspiration and then spend that day and then just output on that one day rather than going through that process. And that doesn't mean like for that entire week, I won't have any output, but it just means it's my own ways of output. Um, like yesterday I was at the beach, just sketching on my little sketchbook for like two hours, just because it had something I had not done in a while. And I just wanted my brain to free up and just sit by the beach and sketch. Um, but it's not output, but guess what? It gave, it gave me a little doodle that I can now go back and continue designing of, what I was doing and I was like oh yeah that might work so if one were to introduce you I know you have so many talents so how would I say uh, the creative guru uh, the um, proprietor of be of uh, creative what would I say tell me since Artist. I don't have the bio at hand my buddy my friend first 
Oh, that's that goes beyond saying, of course. Uh, that's completely different, and that that would never change. And we've had some. Uh, I always consider myself like Oh my God, you've dealt with me, my uh, demented family. <laughs> we've had some crazy times in Bangalore. Miss you a lot. That is, that is true. Yeah, that is true. I do miss Bangalore. Um, the thing is, I consider myself always an artist first, always, always, and I think I, that's something I would hold. Till I die. It's it's impossible for me to change that. Um, I was born in a dojo pretty much as a martial artist. So to me, being an artist... Yeah, tell us is, also about your martial art. Oh, well, yeah, that's the biggest side. So yeah, if you, I think maybe that's the true answer of how I create. Uh, it's being constantly tapped into that side. And I think that's really, really important. Like for me, it's, I'd never go a week without at least three to four days in that week of training. It's impossible. I can't function. It's, um, it's been the biggest part of my life for 25 plus years. And um, I think mind, body, and soul, if that doesn't connect, and that's what I've been learning to understand the last couple of years, which is you can keep creating all the stuff and it's only as good to create in terms of content. And then I started to ask myself at that point, everyone's creating content, but I want to create art. So at what point do you look at art as content? if it only comes out with certain level of honesty, right? That's the difference is if you're doing it to make a buck, it's gonna show. And uh, I think when people wanna have a job, they go make content. And when people wanna inspire the people, they go make art, you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, like I think there's a bad. fine line between wisdom and intelligence. I think it, you need wisdom to find intelligence. Absolutely. Can be a great content. Yeah, and I think we, we've seen that happen with the age of Netflix taking over. I think we've seen that happen uh, with mainstream cinema sometimes being challenged by other films. You saw that the Oscars last year, um, right? You saw the first Korean director. Um, take away, you know, the first international Oscar in like multiple categories. That was art right there, stepping over content. And so it's kind of happening in that sense. So what belt are you for everyone to know when you do your martial oh, I'm arts? Oh, I'm a third degree. Belt, yeah, I'm a, which are you <laughs> black belt? Yeah, I'm a third degree black belt in uh, traditional Shodenryu Sebukan Karate from Okinawa in Japan. Uh, but I also train... Um, Kobudo, which is weapons, and Aikido. Um, a bit of other arts like jujitsu and stuff along the way, but I teach karate as well. And that's something that's been really important uh, to me as well. It's because if you don't start to understand, and that's something my sensei taught me when I was probably 13, which is if you have knowledge and you don't help pass it on, what's the point? What's the point? What's the point? Um, if you know something and you help teach that to somebody, I guarantee you in that process, they're gonna teach you something else. It's, it's but natural, right? You're gonna learn along while teaching. And then to me, that's really, really helpful um, because then, you know, teaching film to students and then guest lecturing for like New York Film Academy and stuff like that, it puts you in situations where people will start to ask you questions where you're like, oh wait, I never even thought of that. So now I need to go back and actually do my own research and, you know, come back with, uh, with an answer. So, yeah, I think that's, that's the creative process of 
constantly trying to tap in uh, into the main thing that you want to do, but knowing that there's everything around that is constantly influencing it. So when I get into creative mode or writing mode, usually I almost isolate myself sometimes, but I do some really weird things as well. Like um, I'll write characters out and go out into the world and dress up in that character sometimes and put on a voice and pretend to be that character for like five hours of the day. Uh, I took a flight from New York once pretending to be a character who was flying for the first time. Awesome. Almost, almost got kicked off. But um, it's things like that just to be like, if I'm living in that world, for me, I completely live in that world. Like there's playlists made, there's music made, there's certain things that are happening around me for me to live in that world. And uh, that just means if I don't live in it, then I can't expect other people to live in it. So you mean to say that, uh, remember we were planning a movie, Rastewala. Mm -hmm. So would you live that character with the beard and walk around with that stick and everything? <laughs> no, just kidding. Totally. I would, I would, I would totally do that, but in so many other ways. If I would, if I were doing that film on the openness of how people are treated in India and be able to actually, actually voice the real thing, I would totally do that because I know people are going to ridicule and actually, you know. Look, maybe you'll find the good too. Maybe you'll find the bad too. Maybe you'll find the amazing. People have been so uh, curious and uh, I've been getting messages and calls after we announced our film, Rastewala, and everyone's so curious that, are you doing it? Are you doing it? We were looking forward to it. The teaser was gorgeous. The teaser had, I mean, the way it was launched at oh, a huge five-star and on a huge scale. So people are like, you know, 150, in fact, more than 150 have been asking me at the same That's event awesome. that we went to. So yeah, people yeah, yeah. are really keen about it and hope we can get this Corona thing behind us and move ahead with more projects along with Rastewala. And yeah, that would tell be me about, um, yeah, yeah, go ahead, please. No, 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 I said I would love to move Rastewala ahead at some point. And uh, tell me about uh, Elixa, something that's close to my heart. Can we oh, pick that, uh, can you pick that yeah, up? Please? Is it, can we have a look at it? That's something yeah. very close to my heart. That's a project that I have my heart and soul in. This is uh, this is this was the first feature that I wrote um, ten years ago. It's gorgeous. And, uh, yeah, so that's the cover for it. Awesome. And uh, so yeah, I wrote I wrote this about like ten years ago. This was actually my final project in university, and uh, this was the first film I started writing in a universe that I've kind of created now over. So this uh, the universe I created is called the creative universe. And it's got 25 characters of which I've already developed eight from. Um, Elixir of Life is part of that. And um, it's something I, I had a dream of when I was 17 and um, literally started writing the end of the film and then went on to start writing more of it and then design it as my final project in, in, in university. But I always said it since the time I thought about it was like, oh, this is already made in another time in another place. I knew it for a fact. This film's already been made in another dimension, another time. And uh, my simple purpose was to find the dots uh, because that pulled on a whole new world for me, uh, which I know will influence artists in ways even I cannot imagine in the next 10 years because I know exactly where it's meant to go. The only thing, what I don't know is 
what happens after, but I know for a fact that I'm meant to put that, that little puzzle together, uh, which I am at the minute. So elixir of life, yes, close to your heart, very close to my heart. It's the longest relationship I've had with anything more than 10 years. Uh, I, I was totally blown over after I wrote, you know, read the script. I just loved it. Thank and you, thank I read you. it and I reread it and uh, I just keep my fingers crossed and very soon I hopefully, and I sent it to uh, Rithik Roshan's family and they've gone through it, but you know how this pandemic thing has happened. So tell me more about yeah. Misfits also. Uh, Misfits is a, it's like a pure action film, action heist film. Uh, the director, uh, Rennie Harlan, who did Die Hard and... Uh, what did he do? He did Cliffhanger, he did Die Hard 2. Uh, really, really amazing guy. Um, I learned a lot, which was amazing. Because you have someone who, I mean, hey, I grew up watching Die Hard and then, you know, in the middle of the desert, someone tells you, hey, you get to work with a guy who made Die Hard. Oh, man. But then guess what? Your youngest idol hero who I've written, by the way, dissertations on in university on James Bond, um, Pierce Brosnan walks on and I was like, whoa, this is brilliant. Uh, but brilliant for two reasons. One, because I got to design my entire first film, which was amazing. My first feature I got to, you know, fully design. But also it was kind of the first Hollywood feature to happen in Abu Dhabi. So I know in the books of history as well, uh, the team that we had have pulled off something that I know most people would not even believe the way it was pulled off. I mean, that was absolutely crazy the way it happened. But yeah, a lot of fun. We had our, our crew kind of became a family on it. And we're kind of looking forward to watching it. Pretty huge star cast, by the way. Uh, Tim Roth, Jamie Chung, Nick Cannon, um, Rami, who's also one of the producers, Prince Rami. Um, yeah, so there's some really, really cool people in that. And the current project that you were telling me about Superman, the is it like a TV web series? What is it? Tell us more. Oh no, it's from the Arrowverse. So you know the um, you know the the CW Arrowverse, which has Flash and Arrow and all of them. Yeah. So the new Superman show actually comes out next month. Uh, it's called Superman and Lois. Superman, and what? Come again? Superman and Lois. Yeah, Superman and Lois. So it was it was an old show back in the day that they they rebooted. So, uh, you know, it takes place in Superman's hometown and uh, it's, uh, it's kind of almost like a family drama, but based in Superman world, um, in, in the sci-fi world. So, uh, which is gonna be cool because it's gonna be a pretty, pretty awesome show. I mean, Superman comes back on TV, which is always awesome. It's gonna be, be on uh, Netflix? I don't know, and I'm sure it will at some point. Uh, I know for a fact that it's going on CW and all CW shows eventually go online because you know, Flash and Arrow and all of them were. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure it will go on in some capacity. Awesome. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, tell us more about Dubai, the design projects, and you've done one city there. Is it like, uh, what was the city? It's no, like not a city, well, it's kind of like a city, but uh, it was a theme park. Yes, I designed for, I, I designed like a theme park in Dubai called uh, Global Village. And I did that for almost eight years. Um, that was even before I was in uni, while I was in uni, actually. So, yeah, which was kind of cool. So I got to, you know, design uh, this, this theme park, which currently now is, I think, the world's largest cultural theme park in the world. And um, they get about six million people a year. And it was amazing because um, I got to do it with my family, which was even better. Uh, my mom did events over there, um, still does. And um, 
I got I got to build it with my dad at that point. So it was pretty awesome because I grew up in that place learning uh, sound and light and then, you know, doing light, you know, I was DJing and doing sound in that place. And then to grow up like 10 years later, only to come back to design it uh, was pretty awesome. Uh, really, really cool. It uh, blew up a whole different side in my head because you have, you're not dealing with film over there. You're dealing with long-term structures that are standing for six months. You're dealing with governments and all of that. Steep, steep learning curve, uh, you know, when, when you're dealing with three, 400 people. Uh, but yeah, fun. Um, however, that was a different phase. And again, you see that the creativity for that is different to creativity in film. Right. Uh, I, know, because... I, I had an interview with uh, Jonathan yesterday. Bateko. Oh, no way. Yeah. yeah, he's such a cute little <laughs> cuddly bear, John, teddy bear. <laughs> John's awesome. John, John helped me shape part of my head in so many ways. So, um, yeah, he taught me a lot. So, uh, he was, in fact, on the phone mentioning about you that you must take Uzi. I said, Uzi is my friend too. <laughs> I said, obviously, yes, yeah, that goes without We're actually collaborating that. right now, which is really cool because. Um, again, John taught me film at New York Film Academy, and uh, we're we're just beginning to collaborate on writing another screenplay on a true story of uh, a couple of army officers' um, lives, you know, you know, leaving and walking from Singapore to India from a prisoner of war camp. So we've just kind of begun that, and I'm very very excited to do that with him because uh, of his experience with it. But yeah, John John's always kind of been there in my as as a second voice, like. Um, since I've graduated. working on two projects in Bangalore. He just mentioned to me saying that Sick. there are two short films that he's working on and they are from Bangalore. So I said, That's awesome. Cool. I said, we have to be a part of it then. <laughs> Very cool. So that's Very wonderful. Cool. And tell me more. So Z, tell me more. Are you from uh, Bangalore? Bangalore feel, free, feel free to ask me anything uh, that you, you might have in terms of um, what we're doing. So, uh, you know, my... I think you know about it. Uh, I have another company called the Creative Lab um, yeah. with uh, my very, very, very good friend and he's pretty much family, Rohan. And so we've got a team based in India and Dubai and um, now here in Vancouver. And we basically publish scripts to produce film. And this was something I came up with this year during COVID, which was, uh, what are you going to do when everything changes around? What, what's, what's, what's the next bit, you know, how are we gonna, how are we gonna look ahead? Yeah. And so for me, it was, hey, there's scripts written and people don't read it. How are you gonna find the next best story? How are you gonna find your story? Yeah. So if a script's written and if we can publish it uh, and then do graphics with it, you're actually seeing a visual graphic script, like a book, and uh, there you go. Now you have something to pick up. So the idea is I wanna try and find stories of hidden voices. Uh, which doesn't come out. I wrote a script 10 years ago and I know the struggle it took me to get it in front of the first person that, you know, actually could read and give me proper feedback. But not just feedback, it's what you do with it. Like where you go next. So when you um, publish this, tell me, Uzi, um, uh, does it go into publishing homes like or, or stores or is it on Amazon, Kindle? Yeah, so all of it, it, all of it. So we do it in over- What if someone takes the idea? What if someone takes away certain ideas from it? Because it's the whole well, Here's the thing. Um, when you come to the creative world, there's always boundaries like that you're playing with, right? But it's almost like you've written a book um, and you know how films get made from books. 
right? Uh, you have a book that you, or a novel that you've written and you know, you put it out and someone picks it up and says, I wanna make a movie. I'm just trying to do the reverse order of it. I mean, J.K. Rowling, her last Harry Potter book, if I remember correctly, was The, the Cursed Child. And that was a screenplay. That was a, a teleplay. It was a stage play. Do you know what I mean? It was a stage play printed, not even in book format. Okay, so in fact, when I had the script of Womenistan, like you, even you have it, and a couple of my friends said that, you know, don't uh, print it into a book named Womenistan because anyone can read your script and your screenplay and they can uh, take away the idea. So in fact, what you say is that it's better to get it scripted, I mean, printed, and someone just picks it up and says, hey, what? how about me doing the film? Well, see, here's the thing. We're publishing it as a book, right? So you're already protected as a writer. That's right. the first thing. It's not, you're not sending it to someone's email. It's gone as a, you're now a published writer, right? So in the sense of that, your book is now available in over 40 countries. So if someone were to steal the idea, I think there's enough proof that it's your idea. It That's exactly what I did for It's a Girl. Uh, I printed the book, the screenplay, the script, everything was there in it. And it's post that when I got inquiries saying, hey, why don't you make a film on it? So I guess I should do that with Womenistan. And I have one good news about Womenistan to you. I know I'm going to put this interview after like two, three days. Womenistan uh, got um, uh, cert certificated or awarded by Star 2020. And that's by uh, Santosh Shukla, who's the Supreme Court uh, advocate. Did very, I send you that? Did I send you that? Very, or not? Congratulations. Very, very cool. You, that's amazing. So, so that's something that yeah. he has sent across that, you know, um, this is a certificate saying that you've done this during the COVID time and it's a good learning for the people because it's been very um, educative on each person that comes like today, you're going to talk, you, you're speaking about amazing international projects and about martial arts and be creative as an ad, you know, as a lab. So every person that has come has added a lot of value in terms of knowledge. So sure. going by that, they gave a certification for Womenistan. And uh, on January 24th uh, is when I'm collaborating with the Howard team. I sent you that detail, right? Um, yeah, that's the thing I didn't, I didn't, I, were, I didn't quite get what was yeah. happening. Over so there. that's, that's the Howard University has a tie up with JBR Howard, like how you take a franchise to, of sure. a store or something like a university. Sure. Sure. So JBR Howard has a tie up with Howard where on their behalf, globally, they can give out awards by the name JBR Howard. Gotcha. So the same guys gave me my doctorate in Women of Substance Award on Women's Day last year. So I know them from many years, the ladies here in Karnataka and Chennai and one person is in uh, Dubai. So I know the team from eight, nine years. And when this Supreme Court thing came in and the, you know, people keep their eyes very sharp on people who are active during these kind of pandemics and stuff. So they said, let's collaborate with Womenistan Awards, which I, was my dream. So 24th of January, inshallah, we have a ceremony where we have a collaboration with Womenistan Awards by the name of Moksh, means freedom for women. So celebrating womenhood. And I wish you would have designed the logo, but I got it done from another girl here. You're too busy for me. And you're too expensive. I can't afford you. <laughs> Maybe if I would have given you gharki biryani, you would have said, okay, Benaz, I'm doing it. Everything is not about the money, though. It's, uh, it's about time. It's about time. I know, I know. You're very busy. But I uh, got a nice logo designed. 
uh, and it's called uh, Womenistan Moksh, uh, celebrating womanhood. So that ties up with uh, Harvard and Mother Teresa University to give out awards for the next 10 months, 10 events by uh, us three. So, uh, and also the women who come in for the taking the awards, uh, their story in one book, around 10 women in one book, which will be called either Womenistan or Women Power. So we're just discussing on that. That's awesome, amazing. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Congratulations. I'm looking thank forward Thank you. To that. Thank you so much, Uzi. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That'll be awesome to see. So tell me and, more. Uh, thank you for having me because um, I, I think it's great. Like uh, you're trying to spread different people and connect different people. And I think that's all we can do in today's world. Collaborate, 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 collaborate. Collaborate. And you know, during these uh, pandemic, this pandemic time, you have I have realized that these are your real friends who care about you and who are in touch with you. And they want to reach out to you and find out if you're okay. And, you know, this is the time for really networking and being there for your friends in any way that you can. Totally. It's totally. a very sensitive time, you know, but, but the world is I, I hope, I hope, and this is what uh, I would pray for, that people keep this feeling of being this isolated and being this lost permanently in their life. I think it really brings another side of a human being to constantly know this feeling of isolation. Um, and the minute we forget that, we're gonna go back to our old, you know, antics of messing up the world and not caring about each other and stabbing everybody in the back, right? But if everyone were to live every day in this particular mindset of being isolated, I think you'd have a very shaped different world. Um, in terms of the way we deal with each other on, the, on a daily basis. I think what we'd have is a little more compassion, which I think is really important, again, to create art. If you don't have compassion, you're, you're not doing it for nobody. You're doing it purely for something that no one knows. And See, Uzi, knows you're a very is. sensitive person. You're very creative. And I know your creativity comes out because you're a very sensitive person. And uh, how do you feel... Uh, during this pandemic, uh, the relationship issues, you know, sometimes the true colors of people come out during this sensitive time. It's when, you know, tough really? times, what's that saying? Tough times, uh, in tough times, you get to know someone's true colors. True, true. But, um, what, what, sorry, what, what was the question there? So what, how would you describe uh, human beings and the relationships and the true colors emerging and how do you feel during this pandemic? I guess another maybe hopefully three, four, five months, this really bad phase should be over. Uh, how does one relate with people? How does one connect? Just be honest and sincere. What, what would be your advice to the viewers who are, you know, especially in America, people are sitting at home, they're tired, there are fights happening, the, there are divorces happening, parents and children's fighting, people losing their jobs. So how do you hang in there? How should one hang in there when there are by understanding this, financial issues? Is like the most, most, most fundamental human thing to understand. Um, and this also comes to me because I was lucky enough to be grown up in a dojo. Um, and this is, you know, pure martial artist mindset, which is- My viewers don't know what dojo is, neither do I have too much of knowledge. Please it's a school, it's a school, yeah. So a dojo is basically a school where you, where you study and train martial arts. Um, 
And the first, first step would always be respect the person standing in front of you, right? First thing is respect, right? If you have zero respect, that's it. The conversation has no precedent then, right? Because you need to understand this right after that, that every single human being, no matter who it is, is capable of every single thing on the same spectrum. The only thing that changes, two things, perception and what the situation is. That's it. Perception and situation is the only two things that make us different from each other. And this is me personally, right? This is my personal opinion. I'm not saying I'm right or wrong. I'm just saying um, from my research of life, energy, and the way um, I've been kind of diving into the world of consciousness and you know, I've been writing a book about it actually um, on Are We Living in God's Head? And been talking to- the book is called, Are We Living in God's Head? It's asking a question. And I've uh, been dealing with um, doctors, scientists. I had a call with a nuclear physicist two weeks ago who's written a book about it, who actually agreed with me saying, yeah, you're pretty much on the right path. Uh, which to me was insane because this was just a thought in my head since I was eight, nine years old, just developing, developing, is it developing. something like conversations with God? No, no, no. It's are we living in God's head, which is, again, understanding the perspective of where we are in entirety. So this is why I say this is if you understand that every single person is capable of everything on the same spectrum, then you should know the only thing that influences the way we deal with a certain moment of life is those two things, perception and situation. Change anyone's situation. It's going to alter their perception. So what's the, perception, what's the difference between perception situations I know? So tell okay. me the perception. Perception is the way, the way you look at it. So if you're too close to a problem, you're only looking at it from right there. If you can't step back from it and actually see the entirety of it, you're never going to get it. And the minute you do that, you can understand that you yourself and the other person are both capable of each other's positions. If you flip the script, suddenly you're on the other side. How? In a second. You change the situation, you change the perception. Nothing else changed. Time still is right there, so are both of you, but you can flip the script so easily. So having said that, be it a criminal, be it the most biased person in the world, be it the most religious person in the world, every single person is capable of every single good and bad on the equal spectrum, right? You and I are both capable of murder if it came to it, to protect our family. Does that make us killers? Does this make us bad people? Who knows? The law is still gonna judge you, but ethically, we're both capable of it. Absolutely. So how does that make us different to another person? How we deal with a certain situation, depending on perception. So if someone were to just come and grab you by the arm, you may not stab them for it. Why? Because you have the situation of someone grabbed your arm and you have the mental capacity to assess it to go, this is not something that I'm gonna stab this person for. However, that does not mean to say that there's not another human being in this world who might stab someone for the same exact thing. Why? Because you don't know that person's probably been through rape, mugging, that that person the last time that was touched then ended up in hospital. So the next time that person was touched in that manner, you're gonna get something different.
But however, you flip that script again, you can be in a festival city in the middle of Holi or whatever, and someone crumbs and grabs your arm, you're never going to react with anger. You're going to probably be like, oh, is it my friend or who is this? Because you're in a space that you're comfortable in, you know everybody over there. So therefore the same act and same movement does not trigger you to respond in that manner. Same situation, right? Multiple perceptions of it. Yeah. And we need to always respect the fact that every single person is capable of everything along the spectrum. And that only changes when you lose respect. Because it's very easy for someone to be rude. It's very easy. Everyone can. The pressures Everyone. have built up during this time of pandemic, you know, the emotional pressures and, uh, you know, people have uh, different attitudes and uh, emotional yeah, outbursts. Nobody has anything to live in. And people are making very yeah, quick choices. They feel that, you know, this is a time when we need to make very immediate, quick choices in life. They're not hanging in there is what I've seen. They're, they're losing their patience. They're just getting, um, throwing across uh, uh, like um, proposals where they, it doesn't really make sense. That is true. And unfortunately, that's the world we're living in, which is the social media world, which is constantly triggering you or programming you to make those radical decisions, to make those decisions rather than to just kind of Absolutely. take a step back, take a step back and just kind of, again, perception, right? Take true. a step back and see the situation. No, it's very true. So, you know, honestly, I mean, I, I'm very candid on my interviews. If I wouldn't have uh, hung in there and, you know, been uh, focused, uh, friends I personally know a little bit vague, maybe I've met once or spoken twice on the phone, have approached that uh, let's get married. You know, the pandemic, it doesn't make any sense. If I were to have a choice of getting married because of a pandemic, it's not the right thing to do. I'm getting into something for a wrong reason, right? Totally. It's not the right totally. reason. So that's when I centered myself and I realized, I said, people are just using the pandemic situation for convenience that, oh, there's going to be a woman there. I mean, to all my women friends, just be a little careful because they find it very convenient to just jump into some woman's house and say, okay, she's going to be there. We can't have um, casual relationships. So let's have something with a live-in because it's convenient. So I said, this is a time to focus and be straight and be level-headed for all my single women friends. Hang in there and just don't just jump into don't, something don't for the sake of it. Yeah, you know what? To each his own. Like I said, like to each his own. I'm no, I'm never gonna judge what people make in in personal decisions of that of that sense. However, however, whatever decision you do make, but a situation has a reason for you to make a decision because this situation has come in to get out of this situation. It should be a but something for the right but reason. Natural. Yeah, but it's but natural. You see, it's but natural. No matter how much you say that, though, it's impossible. It's because you're, you're sitting in something that's affected the entire economy of the entire world at the same time. Which means there's gonna be repercussions for this for the next God knows how many years. I mean, what's happened in this last year, there's gonna be repercussions in, in history for life, for sure, in that sense. But there's also, so you understand it is, it is in our nature. We are coded like that. Yeah. Animal instinct, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a fire, you're gonna run. 
You're not going to stand and watch the fire. You're like, yeah, it's coming closer to you. Yeah, but you're not going to let the fire burn you too. You know? There we go. <laughs> there we go. So here's the thing. So that's, that's my big question for you there. Is knowing when that fire is actually coming to you and knowing when you have the ability to stand in the middle of the fire and not burn. Absolutely. That's what I have done, honestly, Uzi, you're my buddy. And I've just been there. It's not been easy. 11 months, all alone, home, and Viministan talk show is my best friend. It's not been easy. This is on from February and now it's 11 months. I'm just hanging in there. My prayers, my spirituality. It's showing already. Look at that. You're getting on, on the next path already. Alhamdulillah. So, Alhamdulillah. Uh, it's kicking yeah. off. Tell me, tell me about semiotics. Tell all my viewers about the power of semiotics and what is semiotics. That's right. Because of the course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The course I took from you. Yeah. <laughs> You're my guru. Uh, which, was, uh, which was awesome. Okay, so semiotics. Semiotics is the study of signs. I think, um, I think it's not focused on as much. To me, it's important because I like to study patterns. That's me. Uh, most, most designers that I've worked with either don't follow it or they won't agree with it. However, I do think it's really important because it, it wires your brain in a certain manner to be able to make conclusions to art. And I think that's what we call having uh, a visual vocabulary. And to have a visual vocabulary, you have to understand semiotics, which is the study of science. So, which is anything and everything has certain elements to break down what it is and what it signifies. So what the thing is and what it signifies can tell you what it actually has signified. Smoke in the sky tells you there's smoke in the sky but you can have multiple meanings from it. A house, a bonfire, a camp, a party, a car burning. So, you know, there's something, but what is it signifying? We don't know. It could signify danger, but when you go and find out, it could signify a party, which is actually happiness. How do you know? So you have black smoke and white smoke, and now that tells you something too. So now the color of the smoke the color of the smoke becomes part of what you study in semiotics and the smoke itself. So first is the smoke. What is it? What does it do? Well, down does the color of the smoke affect it? What does it do? And then what does it signify? And so you break that down and keep doing that for everything. And then you realize that signboards, design, all of it, all of it, all of it's based on your fundamentals of semiotics. It's how we perceive the world. Why? Because we've been programmed that way. So if you want to change the unprogramming, you've got to learn the programming to understand how to unprogram. So what are the rules of semiotics? It's like my class, going back to my class. Oh, that's, uh, that's, that, that's for another day, maybe, uh, in, in terms of rules, okay. rules for semiotics. That's, you know, we can keep getting into it. But honestly, it's as much as someone would want to push it into. But when you're talking about basic rules, you can break it down. But one simple thing that I can tell you is you got to ask the question, why, what, where? If you're not asking yourself these three questions, you're not able to break that down. Yeah. So um, uh, if, are you still going to start your uh, training programs like the one you did for semiotics? 
Are you going to restart? Oh, yeah, we are. Um, the thing is, we have something cooler coming, maybe. I'm going to launch it pretty soon. So with the training platform, um, I have another friend that's uh, going to be doing another course, teaching it on our platform. Um, she's a life coach, um, absolutely brilliant. And she also comes from a film background, but her and I are collaborating currently on producing music and uh, shooting a music video and stuff. And I think she will have a, a great sense to add to that, which is taking basics of life. So it's not gonna be technical, but really for people to understand how to kind of switch that. So um, yeah, that's gonna be something we, we put on. In terms of production design, um, I know I'm rolling that out with a couple of universities. So uh, that's something I'm gonna keep pushing on. And the idea of starting the, the, you know, the platform to teach was, which is called the Creative Dojo, um, which is um, to get other people to teach too. It was not just about, like I said, it's five other people come in to teach and then we all learn multiple different things. So uh, yeah, I have like three to four other film people around the world, different from you know, different countries, different experience, and they all have uh, something to share and teach. Wonderful. Excellent. Yeah. Can I make a um, proposal for you? What's up? Can I make a proposal to you? What's up? Um, in fact, I just uh, spoke to Jonathan after my interview yesterday, and I said I want him on board for the one point of contact for United States for head of content and creativity. If there's someone in the US, if I have any kind of work, it's going to be Jonathan. And in Canada, I wanted you. And in Dubai, Dubai and Canada, I wanted to be Uzi. So, would you. you accept the offer, Uzi? Yeah, of course. You already know the answer to that. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. So, you're going to be with Menas Nadiadwala Productions, and you're going to be heading Canada and Dubai for it. Absolutely. And when you're in India, also India with me. <laughs> oh, likewise, and it goes both sides. Um, you know, I wouldn't do anything in India without you there, for a fact. So. Yeah, both sides. So welcome aboard. So this I is uh, so I have Uzi and I have Jonathan with me, one from USA, one from Canada. We're just getting stronger. Oh, and yeah, totally. this is coming in next week. Liz Hennen, the creative head, the award-winning uh, creative yeah. uh, cinematography for NYFA. Liz, yeah. do you know about her? Liz Hennen? Yeah, yeah. She's, She's coming on the 15th. So, awesome. yeah, so that's cool. So NYF is pouring in along with... Yeah. <laughs> awesome. cool. So wonderful having you on... You're getting 21, 21 rolling in in style. I love it. God, I, I, miss, I miss all the parting we did together, all the fun running behind with Rastewala. Yes. I soon, hope soon. I can get to see you, but wherever you are, stay safe, Uzi. You're thank very you. special. Thank you, thank you so much. Uh, I'm sorry I had to wait again this morning, but... Um, have a lovely day. Good luck with Womenistan. I absolutely, absolutely wish you all the best. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be inspiring for a lot of people to take forward. So thank you. Thank you. And welcome aboard Mehnaz Nadiadwala Productions for Canada <laughs> and Dubai. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I look forward to working. Thank you. Thank you, Z. Bye. 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 Bye.